I finally said, I'm going to die. I'm just going to get into my bivy and I'm just going to go to sleep. And that's what I did. And then next thing you know, I hear Candace's voice. She's the race director. She had seen that I hadn't moved for nine hours. Mm. You know, I was in a little circle. I was just going around in a little circle for nine hours on my spot tracker. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello. Hi. We're back. We're back. With another incredible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but first. But first. What's happening with Gutter Racing? Well, we're a few months away from our first inaugural running of the Lost Treasure Trail Race right. at Mansfield Outdoor Center. That happens May 14th. That's right. 5 and 10K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to... Mark the course <laughs> once all the snow melts. Absolutely. And who's on the podcast today? Well, we have Von Fan from Washington State. And if that's if her name's not familiar to you, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> you go go to Ultra Sign Up right now and just put in her name, Von Fan. You'll, you'll be there a while. <laughs> yeah, she's done some incredible things. She's done 358 races just on that alone, but I'm sure it's a lot more. Yes. And 143 uh, trophies just in ultra sign up. 50k's, 50 milers, 100 milers, yeah, 200, 200 milers. Yeah. And of course, where we discovered her was recently across the years. She came in third overall, running 10 days. With uh, a thousand kilometers or close to a thousand kilometers. So mm-hmm. I said, let's get her on and let's talk all about it. I want to know the secret. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. The longevity. So let's get to Vaughn. Coming up. So we'd like to welcome Vaughn Fon, living in Washington State. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. How we came across your name very recently was we were following across the years and Ultra Running Magazine. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you wear that proudly, I'm sure. <laughs> Ultra Running Magazine had a little blurb about you in their newsletter leading up to the race, I believe. So I thought, oh, wow, this this uh, lady's done a lot of races. Let's check her out. So when I went to Ultra Sign Up uh, and looked at your long list of races, normally when we're doing research for our podcast, <laughs> We print out the ultra sign up list so that we can refer to it. But it was 31 pages, Vaughn. So we decided not to print it out this time. And we thought, well, let's handpick some of the races that we'd like to chat about. And just in general to see what you are all about, because it's it's fascinating. You're, you're fascinating to me anyway. Well, I was um, checking out your podcast, the interviews that you've done, I was like looking at the people you've interviewed and all these luminaries, I guess I would call them. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was like, how do I fit in with these people? You know, <laughs> um, golden ticket people and, you know, just uh, people have been uh, doing this for a long time as well. So I kind of uh, show up here and there. Um, sometimes my performances are good and other times I choose them to be, uh, you know, training runs and don't want to stick out too much. So so I, anyway, your list is uh, impressive. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And the other reason too, from a female perspective, I'm 51 
and I believe you're around 50. Um, yeah, it's a, another month and then I'll be with you. <laughs> okay, so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I think that, you know, once you turn 40, things start to change with our bodies. And once you turn 50, same thing. So we'll get into that later because I think that's another thing that could be really useful for our listeners who are aging and still wanting to compete in ultras. So we'll get to that soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but first. But first. <laughs> How did you even get into running generally without the ultras? Let's just talk about basic Yeah. Running. Well, when I was going through my physician assistant training, I did a, um, a month in the Phoenix area and uh, I just wanted to stay in shape without joining a gym or anything. So I just started running and I, I tried running before, especially around other people, but found myself struggling and not liking it because I was trying to keep up with everybody else. So once I did it for myself or did my own pace, I found that I enjoyed it a lot more and, and basically just um, joined a, or as my sister was doing a 12K when I came back. So I did it with her and I just, it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, I just, when you find something that you enjoy and you're actually pretty good at it, you just want to keep looking for the possibilities. And so, you know, half marathons to marathons and then to ultras and, and beyond. So it was more to get in shape initially, but then it just, it just kind of became a um, lifestyle, I guess. Right. And then one other thing was that here in the Pacific Northwest, we had a group of three guys who, put, who started a, a group called the Marathon Maniacs. And so when I joined that group, it was one of those things where you're surrounded by people who enjoy running and, and doing multiple races. And I, I got caught up in that. So you were surrounded by maniacs. Perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that started the 50 plus marathons a year. And I did that three years in a row and, and a lot of that eventually included trail ultras. And, and so, so the, the third person of the group, um, Tony Philippi, he and I decided we were going to, we wanted a new goal. So we decided either a thousand marathon slash ultras in our lifetime or 100, 100 mile runs, which I will probably get before I get to the thousand, but, um, <laughs> but I, I'm still working on it. COVID kind of put a little bit of a, a damper on that, but I'm getting back to averaging about 28 to 30 races a year now that um, races are back. Right. What number are you at towards the 1000 goal? I still have a ways to go. So I'm at 569, which includes uh, 402 ultras and 167 marathons as of today. <laughs> so it took me a long time to get to 500. And then I'm a little worried that it's going to take me a lo even longer to get the next 500 again, as I age and choose races that don't count towards more than one race. Like, you know, a 10 day at ATY only counts as one race, ah. <laughs> count as 10 races or whatever. So I'm, I'm choosing the wrong races to uh, beef up my numbers. Right. Now you mentioned um, that you were in Arizona to study and I understand you've, you've worked in rheumatology, which obviously is the study of joints <laughs> and bones. So let's yeah. go right to that question. Have you had personally had any major injuries that you've dealt with? My main one is plantar fasciitis. Um, okay. It's never prevented me from training or racing. During ATY, I didn't really feel that there was a problem. I had more problems with peripheral neuropathy in my feet than plantar fasciitis um, that I felt. But when I came back, my plantar fascia was pretty stiff. And now, right now, like while I'm training, it takes me a mile and a half or two miles to loosen up. And then it doesn't really bother me for the rest of the time. 
it's slowly getting better, but the, that is, has been my main injury. But otherwise, no, I haven't had other injuries. You know, if I notice that my Achilles is bothering me, I'll just put some heel lifts in to let it calm down a little bit. And right. um, besides rheumatology, I, I did work in orthopedic surgery for 12 years. So um, I have that also, that background also. And actually, I was able to help quite a few people during ATY get through their repetitive injury issues during the race. Huh. Sometimes, you know, the, the injury was far progressed enough that they weren't able to continue. But other, other times, I think I helped a few people continue to be able to at least um, walk or um, uh, get more mileage. So right. it was kind of fun to share, to share some knowledge and to help people. You know, it's just a, a pretty tight knit community there. <laughs> well, we'd like to ask you some about specific races because it's races that we would like to do that you have already done. <laughs> and I'm curious about the ones you've done in Canada. Was your first hundred miler in Canada? It was. <laughs> so during the, ah! <laughs> actually, I was just reading the uh, Canadian ultra, uh, Canadian mag- running magazine about couples. And I'm like, how come you guys aren't in the couples? Yeah. So the Eagle put on by Mo, Mo the Eagle. Uh, I, at the time I was competing in the trail runners uh, trophy series mm-hmm. and you get points, you know, for placing or just even doing the race, you get more points for placing. And uh, I had been very scared of the 100 mile distance. And I, but this one, because it was part of the trophy series and I was leading the series, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And it was so hot. I mean, I think in, in, in Celsius, I think it was for you guys, it's like 39, 40 Celsius. And, was, and, you know, we, I, I slept in a tent. I was like just overheating and, um, and I cramped terribly uh, at around the um, 50 mile turnaround to the point where my competitors, because I was way ahead and I didn't know about salt and I didn't know about, you know, pacing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd done the shorter races and I felt good until I didn't feel good. And I basically all the muscles in my body cramped and mm-hmm. the, all my competitors had to, or the people that um, caught up with me literally lift me up off the ground with me screaming because I'm cramping so bad and put me in the ditch where there was the only shade on the course and just let me relax as best as I could. Right. <laughs> and so eventually I was able to get up and walk to the aid station where they gave me chicken noodle soup or, you know, salt and, and hydration and just stay there for like two hours until I could walk out of there again. And at the time I just didn't want to quit. And, um, my husband at the time also helped me out. So I was able to continue and not DNF, but it took me a long time. And um, as night came on, I was able to catch a few other people. Not that I was competing at, at the time, but I was like, I was able to run again, which was remarkable considering <laughs> I, I could, you know, barely get off the ground. And so that was, that was so, so hard. Probably one of the hardest race I'd ever done, but learned about electrolytes at the time and, and had a lot of help from the other competitors. And then I did Lost Soul, also part of the trophy series. So I'm sure you saw that. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious about that that race, the Eagle, which no longer exists, I don't think. Is that right? I don't think. Correct. Yeah. Another race I'm interested that we're doing is the Cascade Crest, which you've done five times or six times. I'm not too sure. 13 times. <laughs> you know what? I just stopped. I stopped counting. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I have uh, uh, the most finishes for the female and um, it was very special when uh, obviously the 10, 10th time they give you a thousand mile jacket. And on the back, I had embroidered all of my times on, on the back. And so it, the list continues to grow. I started it 14 times and I finished it 13 times on my eighth year 
uh, I salted too much and um, I was having, you know, just explosive diarrhea. I was cramping terribly because I thought my cramps were from salt and not from hydration. And so um, I was not, I, I was totally dehydrated. And then the salt was the wrong thing to do. And so I DNF'd at mile 84. Um, I had oh. to wait till that aid station closed down because that's a that's a hike in aid station. Mm. And, and <laughs> I had to be, had to get on the piggyback of um, some people who came to, came out to extricate me <laughs> because you have to hike out like three miles out a very steep trail. And I could not put any weight on my legs without cramping. And so um, James Varner, who's um, the race director of uh, Rain Shadow Running was one of the people who came out and I had to get on his back every once in a while yeah, I, I did walk out a few a few steps on my own and then I'd be like, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta get off these legs. And so I basically laid there in a tent until they closed down the aid station, tried to hydrate, tried to do whatever it is that I could get my muscles back to working, but really couldn't by the time they closed the aid station and, and had to get piggybacked out. Um, <laughs> so that was that was not uh, that was a very sad for me. It was because um, I had a streak going with starting Cascade and that broke my streak. So uh, I didn't finish the 10 in, you know, consecutively, but I eventually did finish 10 and then I kept coming back and I'm on the wait list this year, but I'm pretty high in the wait list. So I'll, I'll probably end up getting to start my 15th and hopefully finish my 14th Cascade. <laughs> so, so tell us a good experience at Cascade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, my good experiences were the ones that took me the longest and really just enjoying the the terrain more and not not feeling like I'm trying to push myself. And those um I did three cascades after finishing the Bigfoot 200 three mm-hmm. years in a row. So they occur two weeks apart. And so I would finish the Bigfoot and just rest and then come and do the cascade. And and knowing that I'd just done Bigfoot, I felt no pressure to to do well, to start in the back of the pack. Um, one year I um, took pictures of all of the PCT through hikers and asked them their names and just, you know, spent time talking wow. to them like, Hey, you know, what's your trail name? And there's an aid station coming up. I'm sure they'll load you up if you want. Um, so I mean, I, I, you know, I know the course so well, and, and there's one section where we encounter them because I think we run on the PCT for like 30 miles. And so uh, I really just took the time to uh, enjoy the volunteers and the through hikers and take lots of pictures. And, and then by nighttime, I was passing people because, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my strength is um, late in the race when it's cooler. And I haven't pushed myself in the beginning. I can, you know, usually go uh, start running again, uh, loosened right. up. It takes me about 50 miles to loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, then check this out. New for 2022, the Lost Treasure Trail Race. Calling all trail runners to our brand new event, coming to Mansfield, Ontario this May 14th. The Lost Treasure Trail Race features both the 5 and 10K on the beautiful trails at the Mansfield Outdoor Center. As the story goes, the American outlaw Jesse James buried a barrel full of gold coins stolen from a train on his relative's property somewhere in the hills of Malmer. You'll earn your very own coin medal when you cross the finish line. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now back to Jody and Norm. Another race I want to talk about, which we will be at this year, is Western States. Yay! Is it both of you? No, just Norm. Uh, I okay. finally got in. She'll be my crew. Nice. Okay, okay. Oh, and I mean, let's let's talk Western States briefly. 
Yeah. <laughs> about uh, how your experience was there and what pointage do you give for me? So yeah, I got in when they had the you know two-time loser. So I was one of the last of the two-time losers. I haven't been able to get back since. So <laughs> um, <laughs> only because you know I would forget to well not forget, but I guess um, it's another hot race that I, I worry about. So sometimes I would purposely not uh, put in my name in the lottery. Just I guess you have to do it every year, or else you right. lose your your lottery points. So so I did break my entries a couple of times, and so as a runner. I'm sure this has been said before, the Boston of ultra running, right? You just feel the, the energy there is so amazing. As a crew, like my my ex-husband, he crewed me at the time. He's, he didn't like it. It was just too too busy, too much, too far to, to travel and, and such. But but he wasn't a runner. And so mm-hmm. I think that's really different. When you are a runner and you you know the culture, it's special for both runner crew, pacer, all everybody. Right. And it is it is magical. I would love to go back. And I would, I, I think um, I really have to train differently, you know, heat training and, and um, hill training, you know, strengthen my quads. At the time I wore Montreal the test, which is one of my favorite trail running shoes ever. I didn't practice downhill running and my little pinky toes kept jamming into the sides of my um, shoe. And I, and that was what pre- prevented me from running downhill. It wasn't really my quads. It was like my little pinky toes were getting <laughs> traumatized. And so we had to cut holes into my shoes and um, everything. And so that was my problem. I understand most people have more problems with their quads. And I guess my tip for you is that I have a problem that when I'm climbing, 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 when I start running downhill, I have trouble. Uh, mm. So um, <laughs> I would recommend... For me, at least, um, when you're when you're climbing, 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 and you get to a downhill, walk that first mm. section, mm. one minute, whatever it is, to let your muscles kind of uh, readjust. Because that, to me, is when people tend to have more problems. Is that initial downhill? They're like, "Oh, it's a downhill. I gotta start running." And next thing you know, in about five minutes, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I gotta walk. My quads are not mm. doing well right here." So. I feel, and I don't know what happens to other people, that that transition is really hard and and people don't realize it because it's it's like i've been walking this whole time uphill yes. i gotta make, uh, make up time. take advantage of this downhill yeah yeah make up time yeah but to me if you walk that first part for like a minute at least uh, you can run down that whole section next three or four miles better um that's great yeah. well, get your heart rate the- down get your muscles to readjust yeah. it's uh, i i have experienced it so many times not just at western but other races where the, there's this, this you know long 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 hike and then you got a long 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 downhill and i uh, inevitably just consistently i tend to have problems with that and i think it's probably something that other people do have trouble too but it doesn't click with them until <laughs> until they're forced to walk <laughs> well you are the most experienced runner we've been chatting to. So whatever you say, I am taking all the advice you're giving me. <laughs> I just think your heart needs to settle down and your muscles need to settle down and it will um, pay off um, benefits. And, and there's so much of that Western. There's so there's a lot of big, long uphills followed by very long downhills. And so that's, that's my, that's my recommendation. And, and when I first started running, my, I had a lot of people come up to me and say, Hey, you know, what's, what's your advice for, me going into ultras i'm like if you feel really good you're going too fast right (laughs) and so um and that has resonated with a lot of people because you know you're like oh my gosh i can do this forever and and you can't i always tell people when you are feeling really good you can still make a good mileage you just need to tone it down just 
just take it down one notch. And I, I, you know, believe me, you will be able to maintain that pace longer. If you just tone it down a little bit, I know that people know that it's hard to do when you get caught up in the, in the excitement. It's so true because I don't know how many times I've said to myself during a run, oh, I feel great. And then five minutes later, (laughs) I don't. So I try not to even, even acknowledge that I'm feeling good and just let it Mm -hmm. go because it can turn around so quickly. I spend a lot of mental energy being around people who, like in the beginning, when especially Western, that first climb is so steep and, and long. And everybody just wants to talk and they want to know everything about you. And you're like, you want to know about my whole life story in the first five minutes that we're trying to (laughs) get our breathing under control and, you know, get going. And so I tend to be very quiet in the beginning. I've had to work on that a lot where it's like, just let it go because I find myself suffering from that a lot. And I, I, uh, it affects my race a lot. It affects me more than the physical part, um, the mental part. That makes sense. I don't know if you guys deal with that too, but um, <laughs> I tend to do it to the more extreme, in my opinion. I, I know I have issues with that. No, that makes total well, sense I, to me. I think I'm a I'm a lone wolf myself. Yeah, you are. I, I don't I don't train with people that much. I'm more, I run by myself mostly. I mean, even when we run together, we don't talk very much. I don't talk. I don't talk. And yeah. and when I have a pacer, <laughs> a pacer who runs with me for 50 miles of a of a hundred miler, we don't say one word to each other. Exactly. One word. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And I think, I think um, there are some people who uh, get energy from their friends, their pacers and everything. Um, I'm just not one of those people, you know, I fired pacers before. I'd like, you know, I've had a pacer. (laughs) During the race? And I'd be like, you need, I need to be by myself. I'm sorry. I know you came all this way to be with me, but I, I, I just can't do it. I, and, and why don't you like go ahead? We'll be together, but not be together. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I, I'm, you know, I have, fortunately I haven't lost any friends because of that. I, you know, I know at the time I'm sure they're like, God, she's so terrible. But, um, but I think they also say, you know, she's tired. She hasn't had enough calories. She needs to, you know, just, so I haven't lost any friends, but I have fired pacers before. And, and that's what happened uh, with my 200s. It's like, I finally said, I can't have any pacers. I can't, uh, I can't deal with it. And then I had the terrible hallucination for nine hours. And I'm like, I need pacers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, so which, which race was that, Vaughn? Um, the Moab 240. Um, oh. It was my second Moab. You know, the first Moab. Uh, I used to be able to deal with sleep deprivation better at the young age than I do now. And so, but the first Moab, I, I had trouble, but I didn't, I didn't get hurt or didn't, nothing happened. I, I got off trail and I was up on this you know cliff where I shouldn't have been. And I, mm. I was able to get back down. So that was my first Moab. And then my second Moab took me longer, I think because the route had to be changed and there was you know snow up on the LaSalle's and we, it, it was, it took, a, took a long time. And on the, on the fourth you know, third night going into the fourth day or something like that. I was hallucinating so bad that I could not, <laughs> I, I could not get out of my hallucination. Like what were you saying? Nine... What, what were you, what was going on? What were you seeing? You so, oh yeah. I think I wrote about it um, in, in my Facebook posts um, just to tell people, you know, this is dangerous, but mm-hmm. I basically, first I started out with auditory hallucinations, but this one was very visual where when every time I tried to get out of, my hallucination, these bushes would start to crowd around me and wouldn't let me go, go anywhere. It's like I was trapped. I, I couldn't get past these bushes. They would move around me. Oh my um, gosh. I, <laughs> and so I would, okay, 
I would realize, okay, I'm in the hallucination. So I would get into my bivy, which I'm glad I had because it was like 16 degrees you know, up on top of a mesa. Fortunately, I had shucked all of my lights. So, so people do wear things when they are in hallucinations. Of course, people like get rid of their clothing. Mm-hmm. For me, I got rid of my lights. And so I had no way of when you're not you know, illuminated, you are really, really going to be trapped in your uh, little little world. And so I would get into my bivy and try to rest. And then I would wake up and I would still be in my hallucination. I would not be able to get out of it. And that lasted for nine hours. And after doing that, what seemed like to me years, because your time is, uh, you know, it's like, I've tried to get out of this this world for years. I can't do it anymore. And so I finally said, I'm going to die. I'm just going to get into my bivy and I'm just going to go to sleep. And that's what I did. And then next thing you know, I hear Candace's voice. She's the race director. She had seen that I hadn't moved for nine hours. Mm. You know, I was in a little circle. I was just going around in a little circle for nine hours on my spot tracker. So she came out. There was someone who came from the aid station in one direction and she came from the finish. I was only like nine miles from the finish. Right. And so she came from there and there's someone who came from the other direction and my spot tracker, she found me and and she said, she's like, Vaughn? And I, I just immediately woke up. I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. Like, I was completely awake at that point because I had slept. Because um, mm. I, I tried, you know, I'm not very good at sleeping. And so I tried and tried and tried to do that. But every time I tried, I wouldn't be able to, whether you're cold or it hurts too much or whatever. I was, I'm a terrible sleeper. And so, so I got caught in this hallucination for, for that long of a time. And it, it required somebody else to talk to me. I was a little off trail and I'm behind a bush because when she found me, I was behind one, like a, so nobody really could see me even when it, um, when they were running on the trail, I was just, you know, when you're on a Mesa in, in Utah, mm-hmm. you can pretty much, you know, run your own line. Right. I was off enough that nobody actually saw me because if they were, they might've said, Hey, you know, are you okay? And I'd yeah. be like, Oh, someone's here. So I didn't see any, you know, I actually, I did see runners, but I was, so, you know, so out of it that I couldn't call out to them and say, hey, you know, so it was Candace's voice that woke me up and I was completely wide awake and, wow. and she brought me in or she, she got me back going. She ended up letting me go and finishing on my own because she had to get back to race directing. But like I was passing people in the end, you know, cause I hadn't <laughs> run for nine hours. My legs crashed. And, but yeah, that was probably the most scary experience I have ever had as, as a runner, because there was one point where I got to the, cause this is porcupine rim, right? And it's, there's like the river below you and it's a big drop off. And I remember walking to the edge and looking, I'm like, I don't think I should be there. Cause if I'd stepped over, I probably would have gone over the cliff. Wow. Um, that's not funny, but that is the reality is that I was totally out of it. And so I would recommend for people who do those, I consider the two 200s multi-day races. They're not really single distance events in that case. I mean, your time doesn't doesn't stop when you stop, but it is a multi-day race. And if you're going to do that, I would recommend at least um, getting a pacer probably the second night and the third night because um, your body, your brain, is uh, <laughs> it can take over. What, right. what made you move on to the 200s? Because you've done Bigfoot, you've done Tahoe Rim Trail. What made you want to go to the next level beyond hundreds, the 200s, 240s? Yeah, um, I think I, I just, I wanted to push myself like everybody mm. else, you know, something new. I, I think I realized that I was better at endurance than speed. Mm. And so I, I uh, looked for races that kind of brought out my strength. And so the, the, 
the longer the race, the better I tend to, I tend to do. And so that's what got me into that. And, and then once I got into the 200, again, the culture of, not that 100s aren't great, but I, the cultures of 200s and multi-days, I think is um, tighter knit community. Mm-hmm. And so you really feel like you found your people oh. in those races. Right. Now we're curious about your nickname, Pigtails. Is that anyhow connected to the Pigtails? Yeah. (laughs) So my hair used to go down to uh, my butt and I would wear it in pigtails to kind of get my hair out of the way. And so again, with the Marathon Maniacs, we we basically uh, there was one person who gave herself a nickname. She called herself a slug. And so so we all like, oh, that's kind of fun. Um, Well, maybe we should just know each other by our nicknames and not our names. And so I chose pigtails and it stuck. And then I put on a lot of uh, races that where I said pigtails. The first race I put on was called the Pigtails Flat Ass because it was a fat ass, but it was super flat. No, you know, it was running on a bike, a paved bike path. So I called it a flat ass. And, and then I put, you know, another race on. And so all my races started with pigtails and that's how people knew me. And I put on the first 200 mile race in Washington state or mm. the Pacific Northwest because there was one on the East coast, but not one over here. And I'm like, I want to mm. run 200 miles, but I don't want to go over there. And so <laughs> I put on my own race. I, I um, organized it and I got it all together. I had some friends who helped me direct it while I, cause I wanted to run it. And so I, I raced it the first year or two and, and had my friends manage it while I was running it. But then when I was done running, I would take over and finish the race directing. So, so it was great. I, uh, I, I'm proud to say that I put on the first hundred or 200 around here. And, right. and yeah, it was, it was kind of like, and, and I wasn't the only one who did it. So that's, that's what, that was what was really great was like, oh, there are plenty of people who wanted to try it. And then and then Candace, you know, she always gives me credit for uh, for do it, for putting on the first 200. But but Candace takes I like I said, uh, takes it has uh, perfected that 200 mile trail race. Right. Which uh, I've, you've... you know, I've done all of them. So I can <laughs> yes, you that have. they are great. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to across the years where you okay. uh, in 2019. <laughs> 2019, I believe you did 622 miles, which is about over a thousand kilometers in one. Just right at a thousand. That was the goal. (laughs) Oh, that was the goal. Then you stopped. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that um, both my, so my training partner, Jess Mullen and I uh, chose that as our goal. So we finished together. Technically we weren't allowed to. So she finished a second ahead of me because we're not allowed to tie. Um, But we decided that was going to be the uh, mileage goal. And we, we, we arrived at it slightly different until the very last day. I mean, she was always slightly ahead of me and I, I needed to uh, rest more, I guess, and, and run at night more. And um, she likes the sunshine. I, I don't. And so she would run during the day and I would catch up at night. And so <laughs> we arrived at it um, separately until the last day we did our last few miles together Aww. and finished um, holding hands and, and stopping right at, well, actually what happened is we, we did, we were told it was 600 and, 21 miles and then we so we got to the board and it's a 999 point something k um <laughs> and we're like that's not a thousand k and so we had enough time to do another loop and got our thousand k so and then wow. we stopped <laughs> but it was a like oh good thing we had a little bit of a cushion otherwise we want to finish at the like a minute to, to spare and then realize oh we didn't hit the thousand <laughs> i think and there I, are you know, people that strictly the only race they do is across the years. I know when I was looking at the results and then looking at the runners to see what else they've done, some of them, that's all the event they only ever do. 
What do you, what do you think and, that's about? Is it is it that tight knit community? Is it the yes. ability? Okay. I feel that the multi-day races are a great way for people who don't want to worry about the cutoffs. You, you know, you push yourself and you're racing the, uh, the clock and not, not the cutoffs or not other runners. I mean, you are racing against other runners if you want to be competitive and podium, but it really, it, it really takes a, a lot of stress off to just go at your own pace. And me, you know, like I like to run at night and, and I don't worry about if people are surpassing me during the day, I'm like, mm. no, it's, it, it's, it really is a different type of mentality uh, to run the multi-day races. And, right. and I know that I just be patient. I can, I can do really well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The most recent across the years, you just finished two months ago, three not months, e, not even a month. Yeah. A month ago. A month ago. Yeah. And you came in <laughs> third overall. When you are standing at the at the start line of the next across the years, people are gonna be like, okay, this is the one we have to watch out for here. <laughs> when there's a longer distance, I'll choose it. You know, there's a six day and ten days may be considered internationally recognized, but the US track and field does not uh, recognize uh, ten days. Um, oh. and they made that statement recently. In fact, they they said they wouldn't recognize the six day and then there was a big uproar and they reinstated the six day. So if you want to be in the records, you do the six day. If mm. you want to just see what you can do in 10 days, you do the 10 day. And, and it's recognized at the race, but it may not be recognized uh, kind of um, as world records type of thing. So, which is unfortunate, but I tend to choose the thing that is longer Although I, on day five, I regretted that. I was like, I don't want to do this for another five days. Just, I, I feel terrible. But again, just like in a hundred mile, it takes me 50 miles to warm up. In a 10 day, it takes me five days to warm up. And so your body just starts to develop um, a um, tolerance for it. And you start to do better in some sense. I mean, like my muscles and my legs felt good, but my feet, you know, mm. I think the feet is what really uh, is <laughs> affects people's ability to continue to perform well. How many ultras have you done in one year? Do you remember the most ultras you've done in one year? Uh, I'd have to go back, but uh, might be like uh, over 30. 30 so. in one year. Hmm. How many sure. weekends are there in a year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. If you like what you're hearing so far, then check this out. Our second new event for 2022 is the Fiddle 50. Does running around in circles sound like fun to you? No vert? No problem. Well, then Gotta Run Racing has the perfect race for you. Coming to Shelburne, Ontario this June is the Fiddle 50, featuring distances starting at 25K all the way to 100 miles and almost everything in between. It's flat, fast, and fun all rolled into one. And, as the name implies, you may even hear a fiddle or two. And they may or may not be on a roof. Registration's now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now, back to the show. But where she lives. Oh, yeah. You're surrounded by uh, you're s- every weekend there's something going on, eh? Yes, exactly. I can find 30 races in the state of Washington alone. And more, you know, more if you include marathons. So I don't need to go anywhere. I probably, I don't mind doing races over again. I mean, there's, um, there's a sense of like, well, not did you, but nostalgia, I guess, um, mm. when I do those races again. I mean, Cascade is basically a family reunion nowadays. Right, right, exactly. 
they say that Havelina is the the party in the desert. What yeah. what is what is the best party race that you could think of? Is Havelina it, or do you think of there's maybe another one that's not getting well? I would probably say Ty because you get to see everybody constantly. I mean, you get to spend time with people in a single distance race. You may never talk to a person mm. at all, but in in the one mile loop where you're changing directions and you're forced to walk sometimes because, you know, you just can't run. You can talk to, I, I met a lot of um, women in their seventies and got to know them only because this is a, you know, closed loop. And, and, and they were very grateful because they, they spend most of their time not talking to anybody. I met a woman who did both state four times and she's mm-hmm. always in the back, never get to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So she felt so privileged to have talked to me and Mikey and um, she met another woman who's uh, her name's Kaz Williams. She lives over in Chamonix and got to know her. I mean, you really get to know people at these things when, when otherwise you wouldn't in in other races. And and to her, that was the best part of ATY. (laughs) I I think people just need to make the effort. It's really easy to just go around and around the circle and not talk to anybody. And I was like that in my first ATY when I did the six, six day, I didn't talk to anybody Mm. and I regretted it very much towards the end, I started to talk to people and I wish I had talked to them more. But in my subsequent 10 days, uh, I made an effort to, I'm not going to like lose too much time by just, just slowing down and going at their pace and asking them a few questions and, and doing that every once in a while. You don't have to spend five loops talking to them. You can spend right. half a loop talking to them. And next time you see them, hey, you know, and you talk about something else. And, Which is 10 and hours later. walking break. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, if you, if you're going to do, do ATY, yes, you can be competitive, but there is a lot of camaraderie and that's what makes it so special. Right. And, and they, they've really perfected that race, not with only the, the food, but the, yeah, everything's so good there. <laughs> like, you <laughs> People didn't want to leave the loop. I mean, my, my boyfriend and, and the, the guy who came in second, they just like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I have to say as a woman, I, I'm, I'm so inspired by what you've achieved. And, oh, and I can't wait to watch and see what you do in the future. And every time I'm having a crappy run, I'm just going to think of you and go, mm, it's no excuse. Just yeah. one foot in front of the other. <laughs> If you haven't yet, and I've just started to, I had another woman, Jill Hudson, she runs ATY too, but she told me about this podcast and you might have already found it, but it's called uh, Hit Play, Not Pause. It's for women athletes who, and these are serious athletes who are perimenopausal, menopausal. Once I started listening to this podcast, I was like, oh my God. Uh, I mean, I kind of want to savor savor some of these. Um, I, I haven't listened to all of them just because I want to have them to listen to when I, I'm doing jackpot in a couple of weeks instead of mm-hmm. three day. I just want to have something that is, really resonates with me. I've learned so much listening to this podcast and it's put on by a woman. She's pretty elite triathlete, but ultra runners, there's you know lots of, to talk to a woman who was in her seventies, who, you know, who was, um, winning her age group in triathlons, the Kona and such. So, I mean, it's been an eye-opening podcast and I highly recommend it to women who want to maximize on their potential as they age. Well, hit play, not pause. I'm going to check it out as soon as it's on Spotify. That's what I listen on. I'm sure it's on other podcasts and it's available on other podcast apps. I I just use Spotify and it's, and I'm, I'm addicted to it. I've only listened to like six or seven episodes, but now I'm like, just like, Oh, I want to save these. 
for when I really want to have something good to listen to. (laughs) Well, did you happen to learn the tip that you gave us earlier about women losing their drinking reflex? Because I had no idea about that. And it totally resonates. That's what I learned in the podcast. Wow. Um, one One of the few things I learned. Everything that I've listened to pretty much, I'm like, oh, I've gone through that. And I just chalked it up like I'm just getting older. But women, I think, really do experience quite a different change at this time. So it's it's like and and how lucky how lucky are we that we're living in a world where we can now talk about it openly. Oh, yeah. And share tips so that we can learn from each other. Whereas Mm -hmm. our mother's generation just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And yeah. And I know, I know that, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to talk about this stuff, but I think that once you listen to the podcast, you're going to get so much more information than I can offer you. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so you're much. Welcome. So much. Yeah. This has been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to today. <laughs> Well, you guys have been great. I, I was uh, looking at your podcast and I wanted to see what you look like before I actually got on. And it's like, hey, it's them. It's like, I already knew you, you know? Like, so that was, that was good. Well, if you don't mind, we like to finish our podcast with a little bit of rapid fire. Oh, questions. okay. Well, okay. I'm not very good at these. Like, oh, no, no. <laughs> don't worry. We won't stress you out too much. How many years have you been friends with your oldest friend? Um, so I would say over 15 years, my friend Jess, she came into running after me, but once she was like me, once she found running, she, it just, things just took off. So, um, Jess has probably been, cause I rem- I've been running for 21 years and she came kind of about three or four years after me, I think. Okay. So yeah, we're still friends. That's awesome. And we still get together and do. So, so she never paced you in a race then. Oh, yes, she did. Oh, she did. Hey, you didn't fire <laughs> yeah. her. I, I didn't fire her. She, I, you know, we unfortunately have a lot of the same type of thoughts. I'm sure, you know, it's like <laughs> we are terrible together. So um, and we, we can run together without talking for a long time. I didn't I didn't fire her. So, <laughs> What's your go to food at an aid station? Oh, uh, it varies. But uh, I don't know. The first. The first thought I had was Cheetos. Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> I ate a lot of Cheetos at ATY. <laughs> I think because I have a problem with salt and I just need something salty rather than sweet. But they turn your fingers orange. <laughs> yes. And my mouth and everything. <laughs> uh, name a, a place you'd like to visit, but not to race. New Zealand, the Great Walks. We'd like to do that someday. Yeah. Okay. 80s or 90s music? Oh, um, 80s. 80s. What's the <laughs> yeah. last concert you went to? Uh, I, well, my first concert was Janet Jackson, and I can't remember the last one I went to. <laughs> and I, we already know your superpower, but if you could pick a different superpower, what would it be? To turn back time just five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every day. Like, um, Dr. Strange, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that is a good one we haven't had that one no five <laughs> minutes can make all the difference in the world it, it could save your life 
Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fawn. And enjoy hey, the guess. rest of your day. You did. <laughs> it wasn't a well, test. <laughs> it was fun doing this with you. I told Mikey, I was like, I'm not doing any more podcasts because I always feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. It's like, how many times do people need to hear me say stuff like this? And, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people know about my background and it's like, I feel like um, like my friends don't listen to my po- podcast anymore because like, oh, we've already heard that. And so, but you guys have made a lot of fun. It Thank was you. less painful than I was worried about. Oh, I, always feel, I always feel like, oh my gosh, I don't like to hear myself talk too much. <laughs> well, you were amazing. So thank you again. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And hopefully right, we'll yeah. see you at a race in the U.S. Or even back to Canada. Yes. Right. Yeah. I would love to get back up to Canada for sure. And come out east next time. Okay, we're we're in Ontario. I'll work on it. I will work on it. We have a one k loop that we can we can do for you. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, perfect. Yeah. You know, I I don't mind closed loops anymore. I actually I re- I relish them. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna have to learn how to figure out to do those one k loops because yeah. I can't get my brain around them yet. But aspirations. Sure. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you so right. much, you guys. Care. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> what do you want to say about Vaughn? Wow. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm in awe. And, and you know what I thought was really interesting is the fact that she mentioned that in her early days of running ultras, she, you could call it social anxiety. She didn't really want to in, engage with other runners. And look how far she's come in that regard alone Mm. where at across the years she's making a point of chatting with everyone and learning a little bit about the other participants that's really interesting whatever she information or things that she suggested to us i definitely gonna soak it all in Mm -hmm. because to walk down a hill because i love running downhill as soon as i get up i'm running down Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking Okay, that's it. I'm going to try it in training. I'm going to walk for a minute and then coast the rest of the downhill. Makes perfect sense. But you're right. Once you've been climbing for so long. You just want to kind of make it up. Yeah, you're natural. And that could be your mistake. Right. So could kill you in the long run. You're going to write that on your arm for Western. (laughs) Walk the downhill for the first minute. (laughs) All right. And you're going to think of Vaughn and you're going to thank her. Yes, I'll call her. I'll (laughs) message her after and say, I did it. There you go. All right. Until next time, uh, take care. Cheers. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotarunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotarunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice... Check me out at tylerherchuk.ca, T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!